0: Uh, This morning's reading is taken from Exodus chapter 20, which is on page 78, if you want to follow it in the Bible. Page 78. So Exodus 20, verses 13 to 17. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife, or his manservant, or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbour. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's really lovely to be with you today. Thank you so much for the invitation to be here. I suppose, in truth, it was nothing to do with the rest of you. It was Mark's idea, and you have no choice in it, but it seems like the polite thing to say. Don't you love it when clergy pick wonderful passages and then go away on holiday, leaving guest speakers to cope with murder, adultery and theft? Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it. Well, uh, as was mentioned earlier, I'm the director of Ordinance for Guildford Diocese. I think some of you may have known my predecessor, William Chalist. Does anyone... Okay, Um, I say that with trepidation because those were big shoes to fill, but um, I'm the new William of sorts. Um, And so I work for the diocese in the central team at Church House. Before that, I was uh, a vicar in West London Um, and uh, yeah, love helping people think through uh, their calling uh, in God and for people who particularly are thinking about possibly serving as ordained leaders in the church my job is to come alongside them to help discern if that's right um, and then if it is to help train them uh, as curates and so that's what I do uh, for my day job. Uh, but I also love getting out and about uh, talking to other people, visiting churches. And when Mark said, would I come? I said, I would love to come, especially if I can talk about vocations. And he said, well, I would absolutely be delighted if you could come. Unfortunately, the passages of extras 20. Um, and so obviously all I could do was say yes at that point. But I think I found a way to talk about both things uh, and to, to kill two birds with one stone, as they say. Whether I am successful or not, uh, time will tell. But I think the link between the Ten Commandments, the don'ts, as the title puts it today, and to talk about vocations has to do with freedom, which might seem odd when uh, we are faced with a passage like the one before us today, but specifically the freedom to choose. Freedom is a powerful motivation uh, and something as a society we spend a huge amount of time pursuing. The freedom to choose is much of what our culture is based on. The choice of what to buy, what to wear, what to eat, what to watch. How many streaming services am I paying for in my family at the moment? You would not believe it. But we're also captivated, pun intended, uh, by stories of imprisonment and freedom. Think about some of the nation's favourite films over the years, The Great Escape, The Shawshank Redemption. Has anyone seen that film? I hope so. It came out in 1994, so you've had quite a lot of opportunity. I love that film. It was once voted as the nation's favourite film, and for good reason. In it, we follow the life of the main character, Andy Dufresne, who is wrongly imprisoned and spends decades in prison, and eventually escapes yes that is a spoiler but again you've had whatever 30 years to watch the film so I don't feel too bad but earlier in the film there's an amazing scene where Andy having gained the trust of the prison warden gains access to a record player and finding a record version of the marriage of Figaro chooses to play a song over the prison loudspeaker system to all of the inmates and he does that as a gift to them knowing full well that he'll be punished. Why does he do it? Well, opera and hardened criminals might not seem like a match made in heaven, but one of the characters in the, films, uh, in the film called Red, who narrates the story, says this. I tell you, those voices soared higher and farther than anybody in a grey place dares to dream. It was like some beautiful bird flapped into our drab little cage and made those walls dissolve away. And for the briefest of moments, every last man in Shawshank felt free. Even the illusion of freedom was, for those inmates, hugely valuable. And it was Andy's gift to each one of them. And so, as the film concludes, Andy does eventually gain his freedom. And he does it by spending literally decades digging a tunnel with a small geological hammer. And then finally, when the moment comes, he has to crawl through a 500 meter long sewage pipe to escape. People really do, will do extraordinary things to gain freedom. So let me ask you are you free? I think most of us would say that we probably are. And suppose the deeper question then is what do we do? with our freedom so obviously we live in a country where liberty is one of our core values it's a human right except for those who do fall foul of the law so in obvious sense that sense we are free people but as christians we also spend a lot of time talking about freedom for good reason what does paul say in galatians 5 verse 1 it is for freedom that christ has set us free Freedom is so important, it's used twice, that word is used twice in a single sentence. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That is a central part of the good news of Jesus Christ. That by grace, through faith in Christ, we are freed. From what? From the penalty of sin. From the fear of death. From the isolation of That sin causes between us and our maker and from so many other things that can ensnare us or enslave us in the words of john 8 36 if the son sets you free you are free indeed it was great to hear those promises that we shared together here's a couple more that we could have said if the son sets you free you are free indeed do you believe that today we are free not just free because we have liberty because we are free because of all that Christ has done for us and so unlike Andy in the film we don't need to risk all to do the unimaginable to gain our freedom because in Christ God has risked all he has done the unimaginable so that we can know his freedom so that we could receive the gift that we could not give ourselves. But still, the question remains what are we going to do with our freedom? Because by its very nature, being free means that we have choice choice of what follows. And so, finally, after a very long introduction, we come back to the Ten Commandments. Have you ever stopped to think what the do's and don'ts were really for? Now, of course. There's something here about God's heart, God's longing for the way he wants his people to live. But the Jewish people didn't earn their place as God's special people, as his covenant people, by obeying the law. They were God's chosen people, drawn into relationship with him because because of grace. It was God's doing, God's calling, And God looks for a response of heart from his people. And so what are we to make of a reading like today's? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. What we can say is that God gave his people the law to show them how to live in a way that first and perhaps most importantly honors him. But second, in a way that was distinct from the surrounding nations who worshipped other gods, who lived by other values. But I hope you've noticed that in the two halves of the Ten Commandments, the first part, which I presume you looked at last week, was all about the do's, about God, about the people's relationship with him. But what we have in this second half is focused on people's relationship with each other. The prohibitions here are about, are against violence, against theft, against infidelity, against jealousy. All are things which to varying degrees hurt others, damage relationships, damage society, damage communities. And so what we can see as we look beneath the surface is not just a list of do's and don'ts, somehow that we can then earn God's favour. No, what we can begin to see is God's heart and his longing for his people to use their freedom to make choices which put others first which builds relationships which leads to the flourishing of life and community and society God wanted his people to understand that the freedom he had given them was not an end in itself but that the best use of liberty was not for selfish pursuit but to live in such a way in which true freedom Propagates, grows, flourishes like a well-nurtured garden. Israel was set apart to be both an example to others and a vehicle for God's blessing to others. What did God say when he called Abraham? Genesis 12, yes, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you, but this blessing isn't just for you because in verse three he says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you as part of the covenant people of god called by grace into relationship with him israel had a choice of how to live but god longed for them to choose to live this way so that blessing would follow not just for them but for all people and so unsurprisingly when we think about god's law in that way they still have relevance and value for us today Because they show us too how a liberated people can live a new life having been freed by Christ from the powers of the sin, of sin, from the world, and perhaps most significantly in this context, from self. Because the kind of freedom our society seeks is so often centred on self. Freedom for many people is the dream of no longer having to work to earn a living. The freedom to have that lovely holiday which gives us the break we really deserve. The freedom to enjoy the relationships which make us feel good about ourselves. But God's invitation to his people is to exercise a freedom which prefers the other. It's just like Andy choosing to play that record, that piece of opera over prison loudspeakers knowing he'll be punished But in order to give others that taste of freedom they would otherwise never know. Again, in Galatians 5, Paul says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself serve one another humbly in love love your neighbor as yourself christian freedom is an invitation to serve to serve god and to serve one another and again that sits in stark contrast from the way so many people around us would define freedom for many people we encounter freedom means unimpeded access to every available choice to go, to be, to do, to love, when you choose, with whom you choose, just as you choose. But so often that expression of freedom serves only self. And instead the commandments show us what divinely bestowed freedom really looks like. To love the Lord our God with all our hearts, and to love our neighbour as ourself. And so practically, what does that look like? Because freedom is not when the strong dominate the weak. But when the bodies and the lives of all, including the youngest and the oldest and the most vulnerable and the impoverished and those with disabilities and those of every colour and creed and orientation, are loved and valued for themselves. Freedom is not when the powerful take what they want but when we respect the property of others and seek to give more than we take and freedom is not the endless satisfaction of every sexual impulse but the realization that there are contexts in which people are called to give their loving commitment to another and that there are contexts in which we are called to abstain. Freedom is the realisation that untruths and broken promises can destroy friendships and families and communities, can destroy trust in leaders and institutions. But truthfulness and integrity lies at the hearts of healthy relationships and flourishing communities. The point of all these laws is not to give us another to-do list or to make us feel bad well, to make us feel good because we think, well, I've never murdered anyone, so I must be okay. It is not about ser- turning uh, the Christian life into a self-help project, but rather to turn one neighbor towards the other, to serve one another humbly in love, to love our neighbor as ourself. To put it another way, the purpose of the law is not your best life now, the motto of the Instagram generation but rather your neighbor's best life now. How different would life look if we truly heard and understood and lived that out? Yes, we are free. We're free because we live by grace and not by law. But God longs for us to use our freedom to love God, to love neighbour before self. And living this way not only displays the character and the heart of God to those around us, but also enables others to experience the true freedom found in Christ. And so unlikely as it seems, this list of don'ts really is good news. And so what about vocations and calling? Well, to my mind, that conversation is really just an extension of this same idea. The idea that as Christians we're free to choose But that isn't just a moral choice, it's a practical choice. It extends to that choice of how we use our time, our gifts, our passions. God calls us to be free, to choose, but to choose to serve, to serve God and to serve neighbour. Now many of us, me included, are overworked, sometimes stressed, often busy and hard-pressed. And so perhaps that thought of, again, being asked to give more, to give in a different way, to serve, might seem simply overwhelming. But at the same time, we know that God longs to partner with each one of us in accomplishing his purposes, building his kingdom, growing this church and the wider church, sharing his love with so many who know nothing of it or just desperately need it. And so, yes, he longs for us to choose to give a little of our time, our passions, our skills, our energy, so that just as we've experienced the blessings of God, so, too, others will know the same. Now, I know many of you serve because I've seen it this morning. I've seen a band serving you by leading us in worship. I know there were welcomers on the door Perhaps there are people serving tea and coffee afterwards, people ready to lead children's groups. Thank you. Thank you for the ways in which you already serve God in this place. But perhaps there are some here whom God is calling to give a little more time, to serve in a different way, to take a risk, to step out in faith so that through you, God might bless others. And perhaps even there are those who are already serving, but God might be calling to a, a specific ministry in the church, to leadership, either as a layperson or just maybe as an ordained person. And if that's you, if God has been prompting you, perhaps over previous weeks or months, I'd love to chat to you afterwards. Because you too, perhaps, are being called by God to serve in his church. Why? Not because that gives you status, not because that makes you special, but because it's simply another way in which we can choose to love God and to love neighbour, to choose to use our freedom for others. The world needs people like you and me who understand that true freedom is lived in the service of others. Not because we have to, but because we choose to so that God is on us. And lives flourish. How will you use your freedom today? Amen.